0: We're back this week for Andor part two. Here in our limit break series, we're gonna continue to talk about our recipe for a limit break. We all have constraints that we love to see broken in our lives and in our businesses, but what process or recipe can we use in order to consistently break through those constraints? This week, we're in season one, episode 10 of Andor entitled One Way Out. The title is perfect here because we have three different concurrently shared stories that are all trying to break a limit and are all coming up against a hard constraint. So the obvious one is the prison break scenario where we have Andor's dissatisfaction with this state he's in in this prison colony where he is starting to buy into a larger mission or at least is starting to become more anti-Empire as he sees how the Empire is treating its constituents. He has this realization moment where he comes to understand that they're never going to let any of these people out of the prison. He wants to create alignment with the other prisoners so that they can initiate a limit break where they'll need to pay a cost in order to break through a limit, which will inevitably create a balance of the internal and external worlds in order to release the flow. We also see our mountaintop moment where we have Luthien working with the Rebel Spy in the ISB, Lonnie, and we see Luthien really talking about what costs need to be paid in order for the rebellion to break through limits and achieve this flow. Thanks for joining us in part two of Recipe for a Limit Break. Welcome to Wonder Tour. Getting good. This is Brian. I'm
1: back here with Drew talking about Star Wars Andor. So to frame this up, a little bit of a sidebar, one of the things I love about this series is we get a kind of a, a glimpse under the hood of the Empire as not just, you know, mustache-twirling villains, but this ruthless yet hyper-competent bureaucracy. I love the Colonel Yularen character who's sort of running his team of the internal, the ISB agency in a fairly skillful combination of discipline and sympathy and focus on the mission. I love that that creates the constraints that we're trying to rebel against, right? The competence of the empire and the implacable nature of the way that they want to run the the galaxy is sort of this very rigid framework. And so this creates some very clear barriers for our rebellion to be fighting against. And so the limit breaks that the rebellion is striving for are sort of
0: exactly breaking out of this imposed artificial order. But I think it's really crucial that we start to see this organization of the empire here because we really don't see it this way in any of the movies, or at least we only see like a slight window into it. Because this, at least for me, makes the whole empire and the rebellion seem a lot more plausible. Because when you see it this way, you're like, oh, okay, I can see why Miro might buy into the Imperial way of doing things, why she might become cynical that people are capable of governing themselves and that they're capable of doing the right thing, given autonomy. And so maybe we should just have strict governance on people. And, you know, if we enforce it in a consistent way with a lot of structure to it, the way that we see the ISB being organized, you know, you can see certain personalities gravitating toward that. And at the same time, you can see the level of oppression that the people, even some of the Imperial officers, recognize that they're doing. And so they do falter sometimes. It's not like they're all just standing up there and just it's not like they're all just standing up there, taking orders, executing on them. They are questioning them sometimes. There is more of a human aspect to the Imperials than it might first seem, at least in the original trilogy.
1: Well and we see a lot of people paying personal costs to achieve their goals, right? And so one of the things that's really cool about this, when we talked about the heist episode, right? The heist is a singular event that happens sort of spectacularly. And then the prison break that Andor ends up involved in, you know, he's falsely imprisoned and he's, you know, he's 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 got good reason to want to get out, but the prison break is sort of a singular spectacular limit break. But at the same time we see two other characters. We see Mon Mothma as a senator who is publicly quite what we would call probably liberal, and privately funding the rebellion. And then we see Luthen, who is publicly sort of a dilettante antiques dealer and is privately kind of driving the rebellion. We see both of them working on a different kind of limit break, which is not a singular event, an achievement a level up, but a sustained effort to bring about more and more people aligning around their Mission aligning around their way of behavior about trying to create this change that they see in the universe. And they share a goal. They're both trying to have this rebellion that unlocks the rigidity of the empire. And one of the things we see about it for both of them is this incredible loneliness, the incredible isolation that comes from committing all of yourself to a purpose and not necessarily having the team around you because it's not like you're just going to go do the one thing and because you can't trust (laughs) who to talk to in their heavily dramatized situation. But that sensibility of the loneliness of the leadership, partly because it's inherently isolating and partly because of the level of commitments that's required for this scale of a mission, this scale of a purpose, we see that drawn really clearly in these
0: characters. So what is what strikes you about this, Drew? I think why I love this episode was the concentric circles. You know, <laughs> I love to see the concentric circles. I love to see the mapping of Different ideas onto each other, where if you're a little bit of a detective and even sometimes when you're just passively watching, you can start to connect all the dots together that these different story beats are pointing to a greater wisdom that we're trying to uncover, which it's perfect for Wonder Tour when you see that here. Maybe we should go back through the limit break recipe here. I know I kind of went through it quickly in the intro, but I think it's too good not to take us through the limit break recipe as we kind of talk through the prison break narrative.
1: So let's step through. So we, again, we have an internal and an external element to all these steps. So in our first step, one of the necessary ingredients is dissatisfaction internally with the current state. So Andor's got that, right? He personally is dissatisfied at being a prisoner most of the prisoners are of course dissatisfied to being prisoners and with their kind of generally crappy lot in life but they're not necessarily imagining that it could be any better they're they're pretty well locked into this mode of behavior and so the mission of we need to have a breakout we need to rise up against the prison guards and make a plan and overpower them and get the heck out of here that mission isn't broadly shared so andor sort of the voice of you know he's individually frustrated but then he becomes increasingly focused on making the plan and getting out so that mission is there and it's kind of vague and all the prisoners are like, yeah, I'd love to get out of here. That'd be great. But they're not they don't want to take that step. So we need the more additional ingredients. So our second step here is the step of internal realization
0: crystallizing into external alignment. So how do we see that play out in the prison? Real quick, I want to hit one thing in that first step here. The, we're not going to get into it today because we don't have enough time. But the idea that you can have non-magnanimous limit breaks. Think we can bring up in later episodes, but right here you see the Empire is trying to create a false mission. They're trying to convince the prisoners that their mission is to create widgets. And as soon as the mission becomes to create widgets, then the mission is no longer to escape. So that's one of the challenges that Andor has is, yes, the people are dissatisfied, but as long as they think the mission is to get the flavorful food at the end of the day and not to get shocked, they're not going to get the realization and alignment that we're seeking in step two. And so the realization and alignment that we see, and I think that the writers and director did a good job of building this up, is through kind of the older guy who's having some physical struggles. He has a stroke. And all the while they're hearing these stories about floor two and what happened there. Floor two has gone silent, essentially, and everybody has these rumors. But kind of the leader of floor three that they're on, Kino, is kind of quashing these rumors. He's like, it's not going to be productive for you to have these rumors. It doesn't go anywhere. But they finally get contact with the outside world outside of floor three when they have the guy who has a stroke. He's on the ground and they call in the doctor and the doctor has outside information. He has new information about reality that they don't currently have. They're kind of begging him to share it. And after he has to put the guy down, essentially, because he says, this is the only thing I can do. And really, this is the humane thing to do, given the information the doctor has. Andor gets what he's been seeking, which is confirmation of what happened on floor two. It's worse than he originally thought that it was. The people on floor two ended up They had a prisoner that came back in that had previously been in the same prison, and the people realized that freedom was a lie. And so rather than having that spread to the other 4,900 prisoners, the Imperials running the operation thought it best to just clear floor two entirely so that that information could not be perpetuated anywhere else. And so that realization that happens there creates alignment between Kino and Andor, which then creates alignment with the other prisoners, which makes way for step three for us, Brian. So the we're not actually going to get out of here after our prison terms are
1: over sort of contributes to more dissatisfaction, crystallizes the mission, gives them the realization that they have to and that they potentially can disrupt. They have a proposed plan. And so now you have all the prisoners in this one cell block willing to participate in the breakout effort. Once they've broken out and they start running around the facility, then the other prisoners who initially don't know that, you know, don't have this new realization, but they hear stuff over the intercom and they see people breaking out and they now have a renewed sense of alignment. They believe that they can participate as well. But in order to get there, we've got to go to our third step, which is The internal change is the paying the cost, or like you said, potentially realizing the cost if you want to use a financial term. But the the sense that it's not free, just because you now see the goal and know how to get to the goal doesn't mean you're there. You still have to walk the path. And walking the path in this context means many prisoners rushing the guards and some non-zero number of them getting shot, right? Or getting left behind or getting to the end and finding that they can't swim. But if you have enough alignment with the mission, if enough people are willing to pay the cost, then you can overcome the constraints and you get the breakthrough. In this case, the constraints are the guards and the structure of the prison, and the breakthrough is the prisoners then having control of the
0: facility and having the freedom to leave. Yeah, I would say that the main limit break in this prison, and they set it up from right at the beginning, is the floors. They tell you at the beginning, this is going to be a very sanitary and humane prison, quote unquote, basically, like because you have no power here. We don't even have to worry about wielding weapons, because if you do one wrong thing, we're just going to zap you. So everybody, while they have the dissatisfaction, they have more fear than they do dissatisfaction. And so they aren't willing to move forward. And the paying the cost moment here is I like this example, because the paying the cost moment is pretty binary. You know, if you game theory it out, Kino kind of works through it himself, like, okay, I can either pay the cost now or I can pay the cost later. Either way, the cost is my life. It doesn't really matter to him at that point. He realizes I can pay my life later and have to work all these years or I can pay my life now and potentially there's a small chance I might also survive or that some people might survive and it might be worth it for them. In previous episodes, we've talked about the different types of costs that you can pay. In this episode, we're not there yet. We're just using this prison break scenario because the cost is very plain. The cost is your life. You can game theory it out all you want. You're gonna pay your life either way, so why not pay it now and have a chance of escaping and breaking through this limit and the breakthrough occurs when a combination of their leader, who's really Andor in this situation, even though Kino's the head of the prisoners, breaks the pipe, gets the water to flow out onto the floors. The prisoners, you know, the people initiate the limit break. You have the two guys who start to fight. You know, they know that they're probably gonna be the first people to get shot, but they're willing to do it. Then you have the guard tries to pull the lever to shock everybody. And the electrical is fried as soon as he tries to pull the lever. Now the people can see the limit break. This is the major limit break in this episode, and everybody now sees that the flow can happen. They see that the internal reflects the external. I feel free internally. I feel like I am willing to die in order to make it out of here internally. And now we get the break on the outside world that allows them to act on that. They're able to form an uprising. They're able to jump off the edge and into the sea. Exactly, and
1: so just as we had talked about, we had a whole sequence on map making, and that sort of feeds into our, our realization and alignment phase. We've also been in this series; we've been talking a lot about sacrifice and how sacrifice unlocks the limit break, and how sacrifice unlocks the next level of leadership. And paying the cost, sacrifice is one of the one of the primary flavors. You're always sacrificing something with a cost, whether it's you know as, as dramatic as you know I'm I'm risking my life or whether it's I'm taking my time doing this thing rather than the other thing, or it's an opportunity cost, or this is where I'm choosing to put my resources, you're always sacrificing. And the sacrifice is always proportional to the scope of the breakthrough, the scope of the change you're trying to see in the world, the scope of the dissatisfaction you have with the world. So again, the prison break is a a binary singular event limit break. But at the same time, the series is showing us the longer term, if your mission is bigger than that, is bigger than a single event, is bigger than a you know a single location. If you're trying to crystallize a change throughout your society, throughout your business, throughout your work group, then we see these other characters doing sustained paying the cost, sustained self sacrifice in proportion to the scope of their vision. So Luthen as the catalyst of the rebellion and Mon Mothma as the public face but also the sort of secret funding rebellion they're both sort of enduring personal costs emotional costs and stress and anxiety and just putting all of their time into this one thing that is not very rewarding right That's not giving back to them even when they have incremental victories like the aldani heist Luthen's not looking at that as yay we won he's looking at that two or three layers deep as we did this thing which will cause the empire to overreact which will get more people aligned with us And he's being fairly callous about it and justifying it because the bigger picture is, you know, we need people to be suffering. We need people to be oppressed so that they will want to rise up against the empire. But he's making that decision on their behalf.
0: Well, he wants them to reach that first stage, right? It's like once you reach a limit break, it starts to compound and it can create other limit breaks. And a rebellion is many, many, many limit breaks that are all kind of compounding. It's like this magnanimous revolution bottom up. And you can't reach the next limit break until there's enough dissatisfaction and alignment to your mission. And until people are willing to pay a cost, there won't be another limit break until there's enough money, enough ships, enough people, enough yeah. everything, and blue enough blue milk. Enough, <laughs> enough,
1: yes, enough dissatisfaction, enough alignment, like all these things have to line up. So, so let's talk about our mountaintop moment then here, because what we see is because this requires sustained effort, even if you're bought into the mission, it can be very painful. You can, you can be like, hey, haven't I given enough, right? Or, you know, is there a way off of this merry-go-round? And so in our mountaintop moment at the end of episode 10 here, we see a conversation between Luther, who's this sort of shadowy figure that's been leading the Rebellion from behind the scenes, and Lonnie, who's an ISB officer who we didn't realize until this moment was the mole for the Rebellion, who's been feeding them information and helping to kind of, you know, he's a double agent on behalf of the Rebellion. He's demanding a meeting in person with Luther, and they have this conversation at the top of the elevator
0: shaft about sacrifice, about paying the cost. So what do we see here, Drew? I couldn't not propose that we do this mountaintop moment because it's just kind of this. I don't, I'm trying to think of what the word to describe this moment is, but this moment is super real, even in the face of the prison break and the death and everything that happens there. This moment seems even more real. Where you have this guy who you're just starting to empathize with Lonnie, who's scared and he has his family ties that he's trying to protect. And so you immediately are like, yeah, like maybe we should let Lonnie go. Is there a way that Luthen can protect him or can like, you know, bring him fully onto the rebellion or something like that? And then you get Luthen, who, like you said, is the leader of the rebellion pretty clearly at this point. And he's the conductor of the train. And he's like, I'm sorry, but no. I know that you feel like you've pain enough, but you think that the Aldani heist was the limit break. That's not the limit break at all. There's, There has to be many more limit breaks for us to win here. And if we're going to be able to scale this operation, you have to be willing to give more. And then you have Lonnie who's saying to Luther, well, what are you sacrificing? What cost have you paid? And you get this awesome monologue. Yes. And
1: I love this moment because this, this is, like you said, this is a very real moment. If you're in this situation as a leader and you're demanding something of someone or they're asking for a break and you're doubling down on their workload, right? Whether it's out loud or not, they're going to ask you the question like, okay, you're asking me to work that hard. What are you doing? What are you sacrificing is what Lonnie asks in this scene. But that's a real question. The people that work for you, the people that work with you, especially if you're not a manager, but a change agent, if you're only working through influence, they'll look at you and they'll be like, you know, you're asking me to change the way that I'm doing my job to take on extra work, to Take on uncertainty where I might fail because I don't know how to do the new thing to take on the ridicule or the questioning of my supervisors. Like, what's your stake in this game? Why do, why do I trust that you believe in this mission or this change? So is this a uh, have you been in on one or the other side of this conversation?
0: Yeah, I've definitely been on the side of this where you get a lot of good talk out of a leader. Like they want to engage in the transformation and they believe in the cause, but the action just isn't there to align with it. You get the team kind of questioning um, Should I really sacrifice for this? Should I pay a cost if the only cost that the leader who's asking me to pay the cost is paying is lip service? Just to be frank, that's an easy trap to fall into when a leader gets really busy or when a leader has too much responsibility. They can easily fall into asking somebody to pay a cost. And even if they are willing to pay that cost themselves internally, sometimes you have to show the team that you're willing to pay that cost you can't leave it up to the team to decide like oh are they willing to pay the cost or are they not and that's what luthan does here right he comes in and he says you think you paid a cost it's like i don't have a family i don't have any of this stuff i have no future basically like he says everything but like i know at some point i will die for this rebellion i'm just going to try to stay alive long enough to light the spark to work the bellows a little bit longer right
1: yeah and that statement of the leader taking the opportunity to say I'm all in and to show I'm all in can be the leader charging into the breach first. Like we see in the prison break, or it can be like the, you know, the Elon Musk at Tesla. Like I believe so much in the future of electric vehicles that I'm putting my personal fortune into funding this company. And you know, where I'm either going to be absurdly wealthy or, you know, or broke at the end of this. If you can see the leader committing themselves at that same level, Then it puts a lot of pressure on everyone else, but it also gives them confidence that they'll have a team, that they'll have the leader, that somebody's going to be there with them trying to make it happen. And it can go the other way. I have absolutely been on teams where there's been somebody on my team that had a sense of purpose or an an idea about where we could go and was so committed to it that they inspired everybody else, including me, like, oh, wow. Yeah, I got to step up. Like, this is a real thing, but I got to honor their effort with my own. And even like just for, you know, working when we first started working together with you, when I was became aware of you and Derek and all the things that you were doing. Oh, these guys are doing it like this stuff is happening out there on the floor in real work groups. We should do more of that. We should find a way to connect those dots because it's those examples are already evident.
0: And that's really powerful. And this I think there's so much complexity here. We're not going to have time to break it all down. It's so different than the prison break example where the cost to be paid is you're going to pay your life one way or you're going to pay your life the other. And this one, it's like, no, he could he could have chosen the easy life. He could have taken a high position in the empire. And the cost that he could have paid was his character. And the cost could have been other people's lives that he was paying. But here, it's really challenging because you even get the moment where Lonnie's like, well, is it 50 lives worth it that you're going to sacrifice on this mission? And Luthen pretty definitively says yes, that he believes it is and that you're going to have to trust him as the leader of this operation, that he's seeing the biggest picture of all. And in order to create a limit break, people are going to have to be willing to give things up. And that's why Lonnie questions him. He's like, you're asking people to give their lives up. Are you willing to give your life up? And he has to demonstrate, I'm willing to work the bellows. I'm willing to give my life up too. There's a couple different examples we've looked at of people who are or aren't willing to pay the cost. And so it's great that we're starting to come to this crystallized mental map or model or recipe or whatever we're calling this here. The first two stages, the dissatisfaction and mission, the realization and alignment, those are challenging, but paying the cost is the greatest challenge. This one here is where most people cannot pay the cost. To be honest with you, I think there has been some loss in Western culture of the ability to pay the cost with the rise of the individual, not that the rise of the individual in and of itself is a problem, but that if it is not accompanied by wisdom, we will lose the drive to pay the cost because there's no reason if we're only in it for ourselves or if our main driver is to build up our personal fortune or to build up our personal mission or our personal business and not to work for the good of the whole magnanimously. So I'm not going to sit here on the soapbox, but I think we have to be realistic in the way that Luthen is realistic about this in our world, the way that he's realistic about it in his world. We need to set the example of paying the cost, and we can't be the ones asking other people to pay the cost when we're not willing to. We haven't done Monsters, Inc. before, but this, this always stuck with me, probably because they said the line over and over again in the original Monsters, Inc., when you're at the end of the movie and you have Mr. Waternoose, and he's like, I'd kidnap a thousand children before I'd let this company die. You're like, okay, that, it sounds really bad when you play that on repeat. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. But that's why there's the elements of the magnanimous leader, right, that we talk about is that it can't be about, you know, it, it's not about you to go back to our Dr. Strange quote, right? Like it's not about you, but the leader's participation and sacrifice and example of being committed is absolutely necessary, right? Being a person that has the privileged viewpoint that has the privilege of the power skill set, that person has to be willing to pay the cost. And so if we look at back at you know episodes that we've liked that we kind of talk about this, the really effective leaders, Gandalf in any of the movies, but especially the Hobbit movies, right he's got the higher purpose, he's willing to do the mentoring, he's willing to let people kind of try and fail on their own, but he's there when it gets hard. like he's there himself swinging a sword and you know swinging his staff around when it gets hard. In the Fast Five, we decided that Dom Toretto is somehow one of the most magnanimous leaders we've studied, right? Which was not what we expected coming out of that episode. There's none of those movies where he's not doing the thing himself, or he's not there on ground level as committed as everybody else. The Doctor Strange episode, where his solution to the entity attacking the world is to just sacrifice himself to die over and over and over again until the guy gets bored that's paying the cost. Those are all these examples of how do you put yourself on the front line to demonstrate this is the kind of behavior that's going to be required. This is the kind of commitment. And now we're starting to put sort of a recipe around that. It's not just the sacrifice, but you have to have these other ingredients in place and you have to be paying the cost to make a breakthrough. That is aligned with your mission and your dissatisfaction that is crystallized by your realization and the alignment of your energies and skills and people and then we see the end state in all these beautiful fantastic stories that we like to study but the end state of the flow of now it's unlocked now it's unleashed now finally the external world and the internal mindset or skill set are aligned and working in harmony in this new pattern that's been introduced into the universe
0: Yeah, the magnanimous traits get carried on. That's the key about the flow. The flow is not Bilbo becomes the king of the Shire and now he has all this experience fighting dragons and he can protect the Shire. The flow is that the people that are tangential to the people breaking the limit now are empowered to go break another limit. And they're empowered to live on their own without being. Even if the original Limit Breaker dies, they could continue it theoretically and go break the next limit themselves because they've learned the magnanimous character traits that allow them to break the limits. I think the greatest example of that, Brian, you brought up some really good ones, is in The Dark Knight Rises. Talk about paying the cost. You literally get the Batman quote, not everything, not yet. We called that kind of the cornerstone magnanimous moment of the servant leadership revolution because it starts this flame where you see the other characters start to pick up and carry the flame themselves and they start to believe that they can break a limit themselves and so you no longer at the end of the dark knight rises need batman anymore because you have a bunch of little batmans who are doing the thing that batman did and they're doing it even better than he did it potentially and that's what we see here as well right it's like andor's a flawed character Luthen's a flawed character just like we all are Their goal is not to create a bunch of people who are just like them, who can pay the same cost that they paid in the same way. Their goal is to create wise people, magnanimous leaders, who, when they are no longer here, will be able to carry on the mission.
1: So maybe these elements, these ingredients that we found for the limit break are not so much of a recipe as a reaction. Right. If you get to the flow then you're feeding back into an example of the mission. you're feeding back into the realization of what steps you could take. You're feeding back into clarifying the alignment that's required, and so it can sort of build on itself like that's what you want. If you try to create a change in the world, presumably your goal is that that change will happen more and more often right it may be it may be one prison break, right? but it may be other prisoners will have the same realization. It may be we've accomplished this one thing, but it may be. We've transformed the way that this work group works, and suddenly this work group is flowing so well, is working so well, that the other work groups are like, hey, what are they doing over there? That looks, you know, suddenly I'm dissatisfied with my state. (laughs) Again, there's no point in forming a team just to form a team. The team is formed for a purpose, and the purpose is an external change in the world that can only be enacted or enabled by internal changes and by sort of harmonizing the people that are working on the mission with changes that need to happen.
0: Yeah, you really brought up a good one there. The word reaction was key. Our limit breaks 99.999% reactions to other limit breaks. Is it just Batman starting the cycle of the limit break? Like we said, Batman is just carrying on what Alfred taught him. He's not inventing this. He's carrying on what other people have shown him, and he's trying to scale it.
1: So to take another analogy that's been in the news recently, like is it the flow state is where the reaction gets to the point where more energy is coming out? You know, the change in the world is spreading itself because it's achieved some sort of
0: sustainable reaction. Yeah, at that point, it becomes a movement, <laughs> nice. and the movement is critical, and that can be a whole other series unto itself. We probably should wrap it up here, Brian. I was gonna say, let's land this plane. So, what do what do you got for our takeaways today? So we kind of just rehashed the first two steps in the recipe, the dissatisfaction and mission being step one, and step two is the realization and alignment. Then we talked about step three, really trying to crystallize all of these different models that we've been working on over the past handful of series with this idea of sacrifice and paying the cost. And what we've come to understand is if we are trying to break a limit, then there has to be a cost that is paid. That cost can be a big bang cost like we see in the prison break scenario, or that can be an iterative cost, like we see that Luthen and Lonnie are having to pay every single day as they operate their lives. They're having to pay these little costs that add up to being everything. We had some throwbacks to previous episodes, working the bellows in order to get the limit break in Princess Mononoke, We had the not everything, not yet moment in the Dark Knight Rises, where really that paying the cost, the critical piece of it is that the leader is willing to pay whatever cost they're asking anybody else to pay and that they're down there with the team working the bellows. We'll get into the theory on what cost should be paid and how the cost should be paid and stuff in other episodes. And we already have started to do that. But the idea that in order to make sure that the limit break is magnanimous, the cost that is paid must also be paid in a magnanimous way. It must be a servant cost. And then we talked about flow a little bit. We'll get into that more in other episodes as well. But in this scenario, we see that flow could potentially be nothing more than just the iterative limit breaks. It could just be that the limit break is a reaction to another limit break. And if these are magnanimous limit breaks, then together they are building the magnanimous world.
1: Nice. I love it. All right. Well, that's all for Andor. That was a really good sequence for us to sort of crystallize some of these notions and formalize our definition and our recipe for a reaction of Limit Breaks. We're going to dive into that further next time. We're going to be back to the animated movie world. We're going to spend some time with an explicitly philosophical animated movie, Inside Out. So we're looking forward to talking to you all again there. In the meantime, just remember, as always, character is destiny.